Hello and welcome everyone to the sixth episode of National University of Singapore's Middle East Institute's podcast series, Boots of the Ground, Security in Transition from the Middle East and Beyond. In the series, we look at the future of warfare, which will see uniformed soldiers or boots on the ground being replaced by private military companies, autonomous weapon systems, and cyber weapons. My name is Amin Blutfi and I will be the co-host for the series, along with my colleague, Alexander Arduino. We are very glad to have with us today, Mr. Liu Qing, manager in the top Chinese private security firm, Huaxin Zhongang. The company is headquartered in Beijing, and it is considered a leading private security provider, specialized in commercial vessel protection. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Liu. In our latest podcast, uh, we had with us Mr. Jamie Williamson from ICOCA, discussing the importance of regulation and transparency in the private security sector. If I'm correct, Huaxin Zhongang is one of the few Chinese members of ICOCA. Why is that? And uh, let's say, what are the advantages that Huaxin Zhongang sees in being part of an international regulatory body? Why other Chinese companies have not done it yet or are not following this path? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Alex and Amin. And I'm very glad to participate on your podcast. Uh, Hua Xinjuan supports the global quality standard in, in the private security sector since the company's incorporation. Uh, that is why Hua Xinjuan was motivated to become a founding member of ICOCA and actually we received full ICOCA certification last year. Uh, we became the frontline in Asia to get both uh, ISO 28007 and ICOCA certification. And the first in China to begin audit for ISO 18788 and PSE1. Uh, we will uh, complete our audit as soon as the COVID-19 situation is over. This is important when operating in sensitive environment, such as the maritime domain and across Asia and Africa, proves that we provide a better service than our competition. We try to improve the quality of our services, uh, promote a responsible brand, and be a force for good. Uh, we want to create positive impact where we operate. Uh, there's no better way to show this than ICOCA certification. It provides a review of our management system beyond ISO to include social responsibility and human rights compliance. Our company achieving ICOCA certification uh, is a huge milestone for us as we continue to maintain high standards expected by our customers. As the largest maritime security service provider from China, we're holding a majority share of Chinese market. Uh, we want to differentiate our service level uh, from the competition and show that we are not only a leader in number of transit, but completely committed to quality as well. ISO 28007, now considered as the mandatory minimum standard in this industry, 
uh, it's not enough for compliance of top international and Chinese clients because of nature of our work. But ICOCA certification is better. It shows to our customers that HSC services remain market leading. Having a COCA certification as a voluntary maximum standard above ISO 28007 adds quality assurance to our brand, uh, which clients and, uh, cannot find elsewhere. Uh, this has opened up new opportunity uh, for our company beyond China. International clients, especially those from Europe, now they see enhanced service quality available from Huaxin Zhuan. Uh, well, we are still the only. We hope the other Chinese PSCs operating in the complex land and sea environments follow us to work towards opting ICOCA certification. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for that response. If I could just follow up on that question. You mentioned that uh, about having the high mark as ICOCA and the base level of ISO. Both of these, I was noticing both of these organizations have regulatory frameworks that are designed within a very specific Western context for a very specific Western type of uh, private security company in mind. Do you think these standards uh, work? Are they workable for a Chinese, for the Chinese private security sector? Or do you think there's a need to design codes of conduct with, let's say, quote, you know, quote unquote, Chinese characteristics? Uh, I mean, perhaps we can separate this question into two parts, uh, the international market and the domestic market. ICOCA provides a great platform focused on the international market. Uh, it is a framework for our overseas business to be sure we meet international norms. Uh, this is important. And uh, it's more sophisticated than what most Chinese or even foreign PICs can achieve. Uh, but the Chinese domestic market is less complicated, less dangerous, and does not meet the operating environment the ICOC is made for. But there are many parts of the ICOC that can benefit China. In fact, uh, I am on the steering committee for developing a Chinese national standard for security services. We already suggested incorporation of several key components of the ICOC, ISO 18788-8, to be put in national standard. So let's see how it turns out. I mean, uh, considering what you just mentioned, one of the things that set the Chinese private security apart from its Western rivals is that they operate under a Chinese law forbidding citizens from carry weapons. In my understanding, uh, to work around this limitation, Chinese companies uh, have to hire foreigners to do the actual work of carrying guns. How does this impact your operation? Does it seriously set Chinese company back from a global competition? Or uh, there is a need to rethink the Chinese law in this respect? 
Alex, uh, to allow private security carrying weapon is really a sensitive issue in China. I'm here only to share you some of my understandings. Uh, currently, Chinese law and regulation forbid Chinese citizens to carry weapons and also forbid PSCs to operate armed security within China territory. Only state-owned companies allow for armed escort service for cash and valuables in transit. But there's no law forbidding Chinese PSCs to operate armed security outside China. Yet, we don't think Chinese nationals carrying weapons is a key need for protecting themselves or providing professional services in most of our target market outside of China. And um, I can tell it doesn't, uh, it doesn't set Chinese PRCs back from the global competition, even if Chinese security personnel are forbidden to carry weapons outside China. We believe security business competition in global markets are in terms of technologies, solutions, management, instead of use of lethal force, which may not be the best solution to solve today's global security issues. The government never encouraged Chinese PRCs to focus on development of armed security and Chinese PRCs already realized to arm Chinese security personnel is a double-edged saw and may not necessarily result in Chinese PRC being more competitive than Western PRCs. About a need of rethinking this kind of law, I haven't heard big argument in the public. But on, but on contrary, Chinese government is trying to regulate overseas operations of Chinese PRCs, not only in compliance of laws of Chinese, but also law of international and countries where they operate. Alex. Uh, thank you so much. To follow up on this, my guess is that since uh, Chinese citizens are barred from carrying arms, uh, the industry would induct, Chinese companies would take, would, would uh, enroll a large percentage of foreign nationals as well. Now, I want some clarity or some clarification on who these foreigners are. Um, are uh, are they usually retired police or military officers native to the zone of operation? Or would you also have a large percentage of, let's say, these people I call third country nationals that who are neither Chinese nor are they local to the site of operation? And also, is the role of foreign nationals limited to guard duty, or are they being hired for other roles as well, as managers, as trainers, and so on and so forth? Thank you. I mean, uh, this is an excellent question. Uh, we actually apply all those uh, human resource solutions 
we have evaluated the market by looking at what works and what does not. Uh, not only for our company or Chinese PLCs, but also foreign companies. Ineffective localization has caused business failure. We want localization both in the host country as well as for the clients. Well, always ensuring legality, we, we, we recognize that operating overseas with 100% Chinese security team is not effective. If our personnel do not speak I'm sorry, there's, uh, there was some uh, internet problem, seems. Is it okay? I mean. Perfect. Hello? Okay. So, uh, I mean, we recognize that operating overseas with 100% Chinese security team is not effective. If our personnel do not speak the local language, know the local customs, have the relevant license, then of course we hire local nationals to support our activity, usually in mixed teams, Chinese and locals. In some places, based on the threat and cost, we do hire third country nationals. Uh, this is not some bad cash phase, but a very effective solution for preventing complacency or complicity of local guard team exposed to local conflicts and also providing our clients, especially foreign clients, with security personnel who speak their language. For example, several of our Russian-speaking or Arabic-speaking clients request security personnel which uh, speak the language of the principal. Uh, this keeps the operation uh, very comfortable. We also uh, work with both uh, foreign and local trainers and have some uh, foreign management personnel. In the security industry, uh, many personnel have uh, military or police experience, but our service are much wider than that. We also have retired diplomats, insurance experts, medical professionals, Salesman and data analyst all have, a, I mean, all these have a, a, a diverse background. A diversity is our strength. As for hiring and recruitment, our policies and procedures are certified to the ICOC. We, we are an equal opportunity employee. A uh, candidate can apply online and will go uh, through our vetting system. Overseas, we may hire directly or through a local partner or subsidiary, uh, depending on the uh, circumstances. I mean, thank you. Uh, we talk a lot about certification. Now, allow me to shift uh, the discussion on perception. When I was presenting my book, uh, China's Private Army, Outside China, one of the recurring questions was, are the Chinese private security company just uh, 
People Liberation Army, PLA in disguise? And uh, what is uh, your response to this question? Alex, uh, before answering your question, I prefer to brief on the history of uh, Chinese security service industry. Uh, first, state-owned security company was uh, established in 1984. Uh, it was a start point of modern security service in China. Uh, actually, in the first 20 years, only state-owned security companies allowed to operate, and the number of state-owned companies up to about 3,000 at the peak. But private-owned security companies are growing very fast in recent 15 years, since the industry opened to the private sector. Up to the date, there are more than 8,000 private companies with 5 million security personnel, comparing state-owned security company decreased from 3,000 down to 1,000. Still, uh, PLA concern is a common point uh, raised by the foreign media. But people who know this industry, they see uh, that it's a competitive and open market. In fact, the Chinese private security uh, industry is less government affiliated than its Western counterparts. Western PSCs have provided a range of uh, military and security services to their home country governments or third country governments directly. Chinese government outsourcing of security services, especially armed solutions, is very small. Regulation isn't even in place to allow any armed private security contracting with any government organs, including the PLA. An important point about Chinese PLC are not PLA in disguise outside of China. Uh, see, um, in spite of uh, demand of protecting Chinese overseas investment and business opportunity for PLCs are increasing ra rapidly in recent years, there are very small number of Chinese PLCs among 9,000 companies having operation or capability to expand the operation outside of China till today. It's about uh, less than 20 PLCs only, and none of them are state owned or invested. We even face competition from Western PLCs and local PLCs to gain contracts from Chinese companies or investment. Most of Chinese clients still contract foreign security service providers in mine guardians, risk assessment, crisis management, threat intelligent information, and so on. Chinese PSC's business overseas, uh, at overseas is fully market-oriented. We are not even able to influence the, the government to gain the contracts from state-owned companies and many of these contracts, such, uh, such as uh, uh, embassy security, are often awarded to well-known foreign PSCs, not Chinese ones. Moreover, 
the best breed PSCs in China are all open books. Their incorporation and funding documents are publicly available. Owners and directors publicly listed online. Their doors are open to welcome customers. They do financial audit by accounting forms, ISO certification by foreign certification bodies, human rights certification by ICOCA, compliance checks by lawyers through underwriters, and many other inspections and license audits by Chinese and foreign governments. The media may paint the private security sector as an industry of uh, secrecy, but in reality, uh, it is more transparent than most of any other sector. Alex. Thank you. Uh, since we're already on this question of perception, one of, the question, one of the responses that we've been receiving from a lot of our previous interviewees, most of them who came from the private uh, security sector in the West, is that this, they, they complained that because of, of such caricaturized representation of mercenaries or private security in Hollywood, on TV, in the media, so on and so forth, it's very hard to have a very serious conversation on what they actually do. And people already come with a very uh, preformed idea of what a mercenary, what a private security sector is. Now, I used to think that maybe China might not have the same problem, but then I saw this movie Wolf Warrior and thought that maybe there is at least a beginning of a similar kind of media representation. Would you say it's going in the same trend, the mid of, of there's a media representation that's skewing public perception of uh, your role as well? I mean, perhaps in the media, there's uh, a confusion in between private security services, naturally protective like what we provide, and military contracting or even mercenary activity which can be considered offensive. Our clients are mostly large commercial enterprises with a sophisticated understanding of the private security market, regulations, and services we offer. Under no circumstances is there any real confusion outside of the price or those intentionally looking uh, to conflict the two very different services. In the public eye, uh, there was confusion by Chinese media in China that Chinese PSCs could play Hollywood role for protecting Chinese nationals and assets at overseas. Uh, it was quite hot spot a few years back. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Wolf Valleys. A movie called Wolf Valley's shot in 2015. It was very popular in China. But it's just a movie. It's misrepresenting the security business. We also try to educate the public that Chinese PSCs are trying to compete with Western counterparts in know-how and intellectual aspects not in use of force. In reality, 
sophisticated PSEs serve clients as manager of uh, risks and enablers of business in complex environment. That is the model we are working on. I mean, uh, listen, one uh, of the other common perception uh, among the one uh, that you and Amin just mentioned is one that I recorded during my research on Chinese private security company in the African continent. And it's the fact that clients, being state-owned enterprises, are not always good judge of risk and uh, often are unwilling to spend money on hiring professional and qualified security service. Would you consider this still being true during these uh, latest uh, years and operation abroad? And does Huaxin Zhong'an have any plan on expanding its client base, including, as you mentioned before, foreign companies? Uh, as Chinese companies go global with the Belt and Road initiatives, a threat to Chinese asset and personnel increased. Uh, Chinese companies, you know, will uh, select capable security solutions that meet their needs and budget. Uh, it is truly a supply and demand market. Some clients have low security budget and cannot afford quality services. Now, these clients, not the risk will, but for whatever reason, can't pay for a good security solution. So we spend time on this issue, educating clients on the trees as well as the risk of working with low-quality low security service providers and try to raise the budget. In addition to physical risks, this includes legal liability and reputation. As for foreign clients, Huaxin Zhongwan actually already has a growing client base of foreign private publicly traded and state-owned companies from uh, uh, Euro-Asia, uh, Europe, and the Middle East. Our work with such clients is going on, is going to continue as more uh, foreign clients realize our quality and service level. Alex. Thank you. I don't know to what extent you might be able to tell us, but I want to get some insight into your existing client base. If I'm right, much of your work revolves around anti-piracy efforts, right? So is this, is, are shipping companies then your main client or staying within the maritime field? Do you also work with, let's say, port, uh, port management companies or insurance firms or even other private manufacturers? And what do these different uh, clients uh, demand? Is the, is the nature of the job dependent on the nature of uh, the client itself? Um, let's say, I mean, is there more to patrolling the high seas? Uh, are there roles such as hostage negotiation, for, for, for example, let's say? So if you could give us a little more insight into both the clients and the nature of services. Thank you. I mean, uh, the maritime security industry is currently going through a period of consolidation. Huaxin Zhuan is in a stable growth position. 
Our market expansion reflects the profile of other medium-sized Chinese business in general, going from national to international. Our growth in the maritime sector, in particular, is based on the foreign vessel operators, who now see the quality and effectiveness of our Chinese-led solutions as equal, or perhaps even superior in some cases to the alternatives. We do also work with Chinese port management and port construction companies, even though those ports are related to the maritime industry. We consider the security activities in ports as land security operation, very, very different to our armed maritime security service on commercial vessels. Regarding crisis management, Hua Xinjuan is the only Chinese company appointed as named crisis response manager for KNR insurance policies by a major European underwriter. So we are quite involved in assisting insurers avoid, prevent, and respond to uh, incidents both uh, onshore and offshore. I mean, Moving from the focus on maritime security. Also, given the rapid expansion of Chinese infrastructural project world over the Belt and Road Initiative, do you see a greater role from Hua Xinjiang-an in securing Chinese investment on foreign soil? Alex, uh, even Hua Xinjiang-an is most well-known abroad for our maritime security business. And actually, it is a small part of our company. It's only around 7% of turnover. In addition to our maritime operation, our main business is man guarding and technology in China. We have over 25,000 employees. You can see guarding banks, airports, uh, universities, and other such locations across the country. As our Chinese client companies go global, so must their security service providers. From soft services such as uh, uh, logistic planning, and journey management, and business path funding, to armed, uh, to armed executive protection and set security around the world, uh, we are ready to be there. Our main overseas market uh, uh, South Asia and Africa. Uh, we are currently pursuing expansion through our own subsidiaries or joint venture with local companies. In the Middle East and Latin America, we have also been fortunate to develop opportunities. Uh, core services including uh, static security, executive protection, uh, CCTV operators, and set security, uh, training, uh, risk assessment, KNR response, and security uh, technology integration. Alex. I want to ask a question that feeds off of the response that you just gave to Alex's question, and it's about 
your the your the role of China's private security sector in the Middle East. Um, China in general, not talking about the private security sector, but Chinese uh, investment in general, it seems that they've taken a very different approach from the ones that the West took or America took. America built these large military bases in the countries that it started to invest in. China never is not, or at least until now, is not doing any of that. Does that mean, does the lack of China's own military footprint and its reluctance to get involved in, in regional conflict mean that there's a greater role for the private security sector to protect investment being made abroad? Uh, in, in other words, does this mean that, that we would see a greater uh, presence of Chinese private security sector in the broader Middle East? Um, I see a more dangerous world, and a world in which Chinese asset and personnel will be at greater risk. And this is not necessarily to do with any specific government approach, but is the reality on the ground as Chinese enterprises and tourists go global. So uh, there's a rule for qualified and capable Chinese terrorists to serve Chinese and even foreign clans in these regions. Currently, uh, most uh, clans are working with Western or local PRCs. Will they continue to rely on foreign security service providers or uh, will equal level Chinese security companies rise in the market? Uh, time will tell. Industry leaders from China must, pre must prepare the, their business to meet this market opportunity. And uh, let's move now the consideration of market opportunity from the focus on the Middle East uh, uh, to Singapore. Singapore is a very active port and one of the leading logistic hub in Southeast Asia. Do you foresee an increasing role for Singapore in the insurance sector, especially the one related to security from kidnapping and ransom or anti-piracy insurance, as well as uh, Singapore being a regulator hub for the ASEAN private security market? Alex, uh, from my knowledge, uh, Singapore is a special place and um, uh, it is likely that logistics and financial services from Singapore will play more of a role in trade. Insurance is still controlled from London, and that is unlikely to change soon. Hua Xinjuan is the only Chinese PSC appointed by a top European insurance company uh, as a, a crisis response service provider for KNR insurance policies. For China market, these policies are being written in accordance with the law either in China, at Lois, in the UK, or offshore, depending on risk exposures and compliance requirements. Perhaps the, uh, perhaps the Singapore market can grow in the future for Chinese clients if the products are not available elsewhere. Alex. Thank you so much for your response. I want to, in the end, ask a question that we've been asking all of our previous interviewees, and that is, 
what will the future of warfare and security management in a complex environment look like in the coming 30 years? Well, uh, this is a big question. I mean, uh, perhaps I can speak from uh, the Chinese perspective. Major changes are happening in global security. The change is faster than before uh, due to technology. The technology we use also worsens conflicts and creates a more dangerous security situation. Uh, since lower cost and available technology not only helps security forces, but also grows the capability of bad actors. The success of companies in the private security business will depend on mixing traditional guarding and technology to offer better protective security, combining onset mobile and remote guarding with electronic security solutions, and also uh, fair, uh, fair safety and risk management for both corporate and government clients. Hostile elements around the world, including criminal and uh, terrorist groups, have targeted foreign workers, businessmen, and, and uh, diplomats in kidnappings. So now, with China's rise, infrastructure projects, uh, you know, uh, worldwide, Chinese lead networks through countries along the Belt and Road initiatives. Chinese assets and Chinese nationals have become highly attractive targets in the eyes of bad guys. So Chinese private security companies can use this market trend, develop solutions which meet international standards to support private and public clients. If this succeeds, they will become top security providers in the uh, global market. I mean. Thank you very much, Liu Qin, uh, for uh, your comments, your insight, and especially for joining us today. Uh, your last take on traditional guarding and security technology provider, it's uh, well worth not only for uh, another question, but let's say to have another session together, just focusing on technology security evolution, not only on the cyber domain. From the moment, please allow me to thank you again. And also, I want to thank MEI, without whom this podcast will never have been possible. Namely, Eugene Lim, Lin Wei Chen, Alistair Law from Events and Communication Team, and our Associate Director, Carl Scaligan. Also, please, I want to offer my deepest thanks to all our listeners. Follow us on the various social media platforms and send us your comments and feedback. We are looking for that. We would love to hear from you. In closing, I want to plug our next podcast that will be with the United Nations Working Group on Mercenary. Thank you very much.